are a W-2 capitalist. You are addressing the gap between your successful, fulfilling W-2 job and building wealth for your family through real estate investing. You are ready to earn, invest, repeat. Welcome to the W-2 Capitalist Podcast. Now, let's get to work. Here's your host, Jay Helms. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Jay Helms. I'm the founder of this podcast and a movement known as the W-2 Capitalist. I want to thank you for being a listener. Uh, I also want to ask if you haven't already to subscribe, rating, review on iTunes if you're listening from iTunes. Uh, if not, just glad. Overall, just glad you're here. Uh, if you've never listened to the show, to the show is about the show is about um, helping corporate ladder climbers, which I've been one since 2001. Actively start investing in real estate, uh, which I started doing in 2014. Since then, I've grown my W-2 career. Uh, my wife and I expanded our real estate buy and hold portfolio to over 320 units. And that is from our first deal we did back in 2014. So um, we've done all this while bringing three beautiful children into the world. So the podcast, the community, we're all, we've got a pretty nice little Facebook group going there, a little over 6,000 members. So if you haven't joined us there, join in the conversation. Um, it's all here to help you do the same. So we're here to lead you as corporate ladder climbers to increase your wealth by showing you just how to add in streams of income through real estate investing while not losing your side of the W-2 nor fumbling the family life. Uh, fumbling is a play on words because I'm actually recording this on Super Bowl Sunday. So uh, the idea is to earn, invest, repeat your way to legacy wealth. So uh, today's episode, I want to talk to you about Dr. Vanessa Peters. She's our guest today. Dr. Peters as the founder of VMD Vesting at vmdinvesting.com and has been investing <laughs> wow and has been investing in real estate for 11 years in single family homes, commercial, retail, apartment community, short-term rentals, self-storage and manufactured home parks. She has invested in over 2500 units across 11 properties and four different funds. Uh, she is passionate about helping busy professionals build wealth through passive Incoming producing real estate that provides attractive returns and proven roadmap to financial freedom. She is the author, which is mainly what we're talking about today, is her book, The Busy Professional's Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing, A Physician's Path to Build Wealth, Creating Financial Freedom, and Leaving a Legacy. Uh, and we get in this conversation. So in a previous W-2, when I left not too long ago, I served the privately held medical practice uh, industry. And I get into it talking to with uh, Vanessa about how I was always timid to mention, you know, investing to uh, these uh, physicians. Um, I was around them most every day, all day, talking about IT stuff, talking about how to make their business work. And their egos just kept getting in the way of me trying to talk to them about it. Um, so, uh, we get into this a little bit and Vanessa makes me feel a whole lot better because that's still something that's kind of um, stuck with me for a while that I didn't take advantage of what I know some guys who have money, but she's a physician. She doesn't tap into her partner. She doesn't tap into other physicians to invest because of it's just not the way they're trained. And we get to talking about that. So that's the, the reason for the title today is she is breaking the mold when it comes to physician investors and, and helping lead that charge. Uh, we have very similar stories as she and I were talking. It kind of amazed me how similar our paths have been in the last couple of years. 
And since we are talking about her book today, it is available on Amazon. Just going to remind you, we are an Amazon affiliate, and you can check those guys out and all of our affiliates on w2cowboys.com slash affiliates. And just remember, if you use any of the links there, then we'll get a little bit of credit there for uh, anything you buy, which helps this show go on and on and on. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's it's pennies on the dollar from Amazon, but I do want to point you to that today because you can find your book there. I also post the link, our specific link in the show notes. One of the things that uh, Vanessa does, I can't even remember if I mentioned this earlier in the uh, the intro, recording this intro, but Vanessa offers up a uh, a way for you to get the first three, uh, a sneak peek, as she called it, into the first three chapters of her book just by going to vmdinvesting.com slash book. And we'll also put that in the uh, show notes for today. Uh, without further ado, let's get to work. Dr. Peters, welcome to the show. Or should I say Vanessa? <laughs> thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm going to do an intro for you after we hang up. But I think your journey just fits perfectly for what we're trying to encourage people to do here at the W2 Capitalist movement, right? And I'm saying refer, I had somebody ask me the other day, hey, what's a W2 Capitalist? And I started thinking, I was like, hmm, it's multiple things, right? It's the community, it's the person, it's the movement, it's the podcast, there's a lot that goes into it. But the, the ultimate thing is it's trying to encourage people to invest while they're still working. And you've done that for quite some time, right? So you're, you've been a physician, you're still practicing? I am. Awesome. I want to talk into that. But you've been a primary physician for 17 years, mm -hmm. investing in real estate for 11? Uh, 12 years. 12 years now. So mm -hmm. there's a lot I want to dive into. I really don't know where to start. Um, and you're probably thinking, yeah, you just woke up from your Sunday afternoon nap. So why would you, right? <laughs> but I want to ask you, what started it, it, 12 years ago? It's, it's, I'm trying to think where I was 12 years ago. What caused you to start looking into real estate investing? Yeah, yeah, I I always liked real estate. When I was the uh, when I was vacationing with my family as a kid, I was always stopping at the little shops that had the uh, um, the you know the real estate um, advertisements in the windows and like, hey, how much does property <laughs> cost when you're in, in you know Florida or when you're yeah. in Hawaii or wherever? And I always dreamed of like owning multiple homes and things like that. Um, so it's always interested me, but you know, I went down a different path, obviously I'm a physician and when it actually happened rather by accident, um, I ended up with two single family homes and one of them was, I was an accidental landlord because I got divorced and then moved out of that house and into the house that I live with now with my current husband. But that happened in 2007 when that switch was made. Mm, so the house was yeah. deep on water at that point because I, like everybody else, had treated my home as an ATM and <laughs> didn't know any better. So the house was highly leveraged. And uh, so it was pretty, a couple hundred thousand under water. So I had to rent it out at that point. I felt I didn't have a choice. Um, I didn't know too much about short sales or real estate, anything like that. But right. the right thing to do would be to try and get renters in there. And um, unfortunately, I had to feed it about $1,500 a month to, mm. you know, because um, the rent just didn't cover it. Yeah. So um, then a year later, a real estate friend of mine, um, I had expressed some interest in real estate. And he said that the market was you know low and the county just north of us, I'm in San Diego County, the county north of us is called Riverside County. He said, you know, the Inland Valley is going to do amazing, you know, in eight or eight years or so you should buy up there. And so I trusted him. I bought a, um, 
a large single family home up there for pretty darn cheap as a short sale. And uh, that was the kind of the quote unquote end of my real estate investing career at that point. because <laughs> <laughs> I jumped on pretty early and then the market continued to drop for like three more years. And whenever I looked at the value of my new home, it had gone down and I was like, mm. oh, maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. And unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't as educated regarding it as I could have been if I had dived in, but I was getting married. I had a baby. Um, I was busy and I was working. So I pretty much left it and forgot it. I did end up doing a short sale on the um, the home that was the accidental home yeah. uh, in 2012. And that was a bummer because... Um, you know, I fed it for so many years and yeah. it was just going to take way too long. It probably is back to its original value now, maybe a little bit more, but that doesn't, wasn't worth it. Um, yeah. Wasn't worth it. I mean, if yeah. you look at the numbers, you still, even though the value's there, you wouldn't have, you probably wouldn't have came on, out on top. Right. No, so, that's all the hassle of having the, the yeah. tenants and stuff. Right. And fortunately it's only a mile from here, but, um, fortunately though, the one up in Riverside has done extremely well. And so, um, about two years ago, for some reason, I, started getting excited about real estate again. And I think it was because I saw the house in Riverside County double. And I said, wow, this is awesome. Let's, uh, let's do that again. Yeah. <laughs> Rinse and repeat, right? <laughs> exactly. And so I uh, had some extra money and I was like, I really want to invest in real estate right now. And um, so started combing the area in around where I had the original house down here, closer to me in, um, in North San Diego County and was quite disappointed when I could see that, you know, nothing was mm. going to work. Um, I went on bigger pockets. So I did a lot of reading. I got their calculators and the back of the napkin math kind of looked okay for some stuff. And then yeah. when I did in the, you know, the maintenance and the CapEx and the vacancy and all that, I was just like, Oh wow, nothing is going to cash flow. Maybe I'll get break even or $30 yeah. a month. And I had a, a realtor friend trying to convince me that I had to feed something for a little while. I was like, no, I don't want to feed anything. So um, I started, I, I was pretty determined at that point. That's my nature. Um, and so I had to find a way. So I went to meetups, found out that other California investors are doing out-of-state investing, turnkey mm -hmm. type stuff. And so I looked into that a little bit, but that made me uncomfortable because I don't really want to be responsible for an actual house that's in another state that I can't yeah. drive to. Yeah. Um, and I don't, if I had like some family members somewhere, then that would be okay. But I didn't have anybody that I could really trust. So I kind of nixed that idea. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, you're, unfortunately for me, you're probably the only uh, Californian that did that because we run into California money all the time here in Pensacola. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, it's crazy. Like to you guys, well, not you, but the other investors have kind of pushed us out. They've really pushed our market up to where we're, we're in, I only have one property in Pensacola now out of our 320 something doors that there's only one up here in Pensacola, so, uh, which is fine. It's, it's, uh, it's good. You know, it's, it's yeah. amazing that, uh, you know, this is really, I've learned something a lot in the last couple of years about, um, how my investing criteria and specifically cap rate as you get into larger multifamilies doesn't necessarily mean that somebody else is looking for the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of folks who are in those higher markets that are only going to get a two cap rate, they're really excited when they see a five cap, mm -hmm. right? And that's, that's just, it's just interesting. So yeah, absolutely. Cause they, they have a different opinion of how much real estate is worth. And so when they yes. see the lower values, they're like, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to buy that hundred thousand dollar house in Missouri and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, but I just didn't like the, I'm pretty conservative with my money and I didn't care for that idea. Yeah. Um, 
And so I kept digging, doing more research. Uh, I'm like, there has to be a way. And on Bigger Pockets, I uh, read about syndications. And at first, I had no idea what that was. I thought, like, maybe this was like a Seinfeld rerun type right. thing. <laughs> I talk about syndication TV on Bigger Pockets. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so that's funny. <laughs> I got I uh, I called up uh, an operator or two, and I spoke with them. And when they kind of re- laid it out for me and told me about it. I was floored, frankly, to hear the returns and yeah. what it actually entailed. And um, I realized after doing some research, I realized that this was actually true uh, and it wasn't some like scam or something. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't um, speculative, like venture capital or something like that. You know, it wasn't flipping either, right? The flip, flip right. is a sexy thing to do and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. flipping a luxury home or just doing something kind of like out there. It was pretty solid and made perfect sense to me. So um, I thought, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try this because I'm an accredited investor and I don't need to work my way up through small multifamily and single family homes to roll it and 1031 it. First of all, I'm in my forties and I don't feel like I have a ton of time. I don't want to work. I'm not 25 years old and getting started. So um, I figured I was kind of like leapfrog over all that, just go straight to syndications. And so I started, um, I took out as much as I could from my 401k. Um, that was a rollover and created a solo 401k, invested all of that money, as well as any bonuses and any extra cash I had lying around. Yeah. So, yeah. So now and, I'm in like, I think nine different syndications. Awesome. So how do you, so let's, t- let's tap into that a little bit. You, how do you get to know and get to trust the sponsors for the deal or the general partners for the deal to say, yes, I will invest with you. I have a kind of a rule of thumb that I, I need to know you for at least six months before I'm going to do anything with you. Um, I, I don't know why that's just, that has been kind of my timetable for every deal I've been involved in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's, there's a group, they're out of, uh, I'm not going to give you the name of them because we're recording. I'll give it to you afterwards. But there is like a reap. They're trying to do some crowdfunding stuff. Mm-hmm. And they hit me up and, and like, hey, what, can we introduce, can you introduce us to your audience? And we'll give you some equity in the company, blah, blah, blah. And because mm-hmm. we're trying to do another round of funding. We're trying to raise 15 million this time. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. But look, you know, let's talk. Let me get to know you. You know, I've told them my rule, six months mm-hmm. minimum. And now they will not leave me alone. They call me, they've called me about once a day for the last couple of weeks. And the last message, or I think the last thing I looked up on them is they're trying to complete this last round of funding in February. I'm like, (laughs) you know, here here we are. It's February the 2nd or whatever. Like, that doesn't fit. So how do you, how do you, uh, so I'm kind of just ignoring those guys and um, going about, about my business. But how do you, evaluate a syndicator to know, okay, my money, because you, you do sound very conservative. By the way, we have a very similar uh, start and uh, what I like to call false start, right? Because mm. I bought my first, in, and I'm using air quotes, investment property in 2006. I ended up holding on to it for about 10 years and it was a, uh, I was dumping money into it every month. Mm. Not 1500 it was like $300 a month. I was dumping into it to cover everything. Uh, not like $1,500 a month, but it was still very, Mm -hmm. excuse me, very similar stories. But how do you get to know a syndicator or somebody who's sponsoring a deal to eliminate those risks, right? Those fear factors, especially in the first one or two, because that 
once you get that first deal or two under your belt, you start to feel a little bit more comfortable about the process and all that. Does that make sense? What I'm asking? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's been my strategy is to get a few solid operators and then I don't have to worry about doing due diligence on new people all the time. So initially uh, my due diligence for my very first deal, um, I was still a bit concerned. You know, I didn't know these people too well, but the returns looked great. The whole performer looked great. Um, but I was going to give them $50,000. And so I, um, I flew out to Dallas and I met them in person. I toured the property, met the property manager and, um, just basically got a gut check by meeting them, you know, yeah. talking face to face. Also, I did criminal background checks on everybody. Oh, you so, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, was, I was being a little suspicious, I guess. And, and I just want to know that, that they were who they said they were. And um, you have to pay for a criminal background check, but I, I felt like it was worth it. Yeah. And then now, did can, you tell them that you were you were doing a criminal back check? No, I didn't. I didn't because you to to do it, you need to get their social or their actually it's their right. data that you need. And so I really just did more like detective work because gotcha. they had mentioned the name of their wife, and so then I'm like, okay, well that's him for sure. And yes, yeah, that's his <laughs> he's about that age, and you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So um, look at you, Detective Peters. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm in the wrong field. <laughs> but, uh, no, but I mean, it does, it does make sense if, if you, I mean, you're about to handle them some money, right. And, and you don't want yeah. them to run away. So, uh, and the first time I think is the hardest, you know, absolutely. The first time you, you, you wire this like large chunk of money and you're like, Oh my God, did it just get like diverted into some weird bank account and for like a, like a, um, what's like Bernie Madoff scheme or something like that. Yeah. Um, Wiring money still gives me the adrenaline rush. Like the moment it goes out or I leave the bank, I'm calling whoever I'm sending it to saying, Hey, did you get it? Did you get it yet? Did you get it yet? They're like, no. Wait till tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be there at two o'clock or we'll, we'll wait 24 is, hours. The check is worse. I had an investor mail a check over the holidays and it practically got lost. So oh, it's geez. like checks aren't better. Uh, wiring no, is way more, way more secure. <laughs> but um, yeah, so trust in the operator is huge. Um, looking at their track record, you know, I'm not going to invest with someone who it's their first deal unless they're a friend and I'm just kind of getting a little bit of money to try it out. Yeah. But, um, I always invest before I ask investors to invest with this operator because I want to try them out. Like you said, get to know them. If you're going to take it to your audience or your investors, you want to make sure that they're legit, that they have good communication, um, and that their deals are going to go as they say they're going to go. So I have like four operators that I work with. And that kind of keeps the deal flow going. I'm looking for, for more, but um, I do like the the larger operators that work in the larger, um, you know, markets as well. And and uh, if I did my homework correctly, 2,500 doors in nine properties across four states? At least four states, yeah. Because okay. one of those is a fund, and that's where the doors is so large. But um, they're in, like, I think five states in the southeast. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, but mostly Phoenix, uh, mostly Arizona, Texas, and Florida would be the top three states. And do you have any single family homes in your portfolio now? I noticed yeah, I, you like mobile home parks, which is is yeah. a hot topic for people to talk yes. about. So yeah, I I have just one single family home right now. Okay. And that's Very the one cool. that, I, that I've got up here in Riverside uh, County and I, I've leveraged it. You know, it has a lot of equity. So I leveraged it with a HELOC and so I'm utilizing that to do more investing. That's awesome. That is such an amazing tool. We, we've done that a couple of times now where we leverage our homemaker line of credit. It's just people still don't understand it. I'm like, where, where have you been? What rock have you been under? <laughs> like, how do you not know? <laughs> I think people are a little, um, they're 
a little scared about what happened in 2008 if they were around and as a homeowner then. And I yeah. understand even with a HELOC on my primary and my investment property, I'm only at 60, 62 LTV. So I'm, I'm okay. okay. Yeah. That's good. So what do you, when you talk to folks, cause you have a uh, VMD investing, right? Which is where you, are you sponsoring deals now or? or? Well, I'm a co-GP on, okay. on deals with these like, these operators that I know well, um, they're the ones who are sourcing the deal and who are operating the deal. They're the key principles. I'm a co-GP, which just means that um, that I'm basically doing investor education, bringing in a group of investors and providing all of their uh, follow-up and you know providing them with the numbers and answering any questions that they have. So I'm the liaison. Um, right. That's that's my, and then I'm also you know just I usually try and visit the properties when I can and um, review the underwriting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, how often? How how often? There's so many different questions I have. The reason why I have so many different questions, I'm going to give you a little background. On, <laughs> this is horrible. Uh, it's not horrible, but it, it's it's weird for me to talk about myself, I guess. Um, my previous job, I was a consultant, an IT consultant to the privately, he- um, privately held healthcare industry. Oh, okay. So I dealt with a lot of doctors and CEOs and things of that yeah. nature. So when I, I'm really excited to talk to you about that aspect because I never really crossed that line with those guys because a lot mm-hmm. of the folks that I dealt with, there was this ego mentality that I just didn't want to approach, right? And and I, I see you laughing. If, if I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> There's... There's, uh, there's this, and I get it, right? They see me as the IT guy. Mm-hmm. What am I going to know about how, I'm definitely not going to give them advice on how to, um, I'm not going to take advice from, from somebody, financial advice from somebody who's not doing uh, better than I am financially, right? Sure. So I get it, right? Sure. And I'm making some not too dramatic assumptions that they're doing better financially than I am. <laughs> uh, but, but for you, you're, you're kind of their peer, Right, which is which is really incredible. I hope to be able to get this into their hands so they can get uh, introduced and they can uh, connect with you and all that good stuff. But yeah. what are some of the things that you run up against for people who are? Because I run into this with my peers, right? Is they're like, ah, oh, you know, I, I get a lot of nicknames thrown at me, like Junior Trump or you know, uh, mm-hmm. real estate mm-hmm. mogul or something like that. Where capitalist, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and that's I'm like, man, if I could only trusting you enough to show you what this has done for us financially, you would understand. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. But until I go to that point or get comfortable providing that to them, what are some of the things that you help those folks who, um, doctors and non-doctors mm-hmm. like get it, especially where we are in the cycle of the market, right? Cause there's a lot of information out there. It seems like everybody's got a copy of this crystal ball that says we're headed for a correction or a downturn, yeah. every how you want to classify it. How do, you, how do you get those potential investors to, uh, how do you eliminate some of their risk and some of their concerns, right? Sure. Just as you had when you went through your first deal. I mean, you, you went to criminal, I've never heard anybody do criminal background checks on syndication before, but I think it's awesome. <laughs> Makes sense at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah now, I'm, now I'm a lot more relaxed. I'm, but, I'm, I'm yeah. sitting here wondering, okay, what did she look up on me? Not that there's anything out there, but. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. I didn't look you up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I seriously though I have uh, I have a lot of trouble with my peers. I don't really yeah. approach them too much. Um, I'm okay. Actually, there's a couple that are on board, and they're an amazing referral source for me. Yeah. 
but um, I think that doctors are really good at learning something. They're yeah. being, being told something, and this is like this is the this is the way it is, and memorize it, and then go and do it. And that's you know what medicine frequently is. You just have sure. to memorize. Body doesn't change. You know, it's like this is the way it is, and um, and then go and and act on that. So they're very good learners, and. Um, but the the people who've already got to them with the traditional methods, uh, yeah. the financial planners yeah. uh, or their CPA or whatever, has told them, you must invest in your 401k yeah. and you must um, pay a lot of taxes. And if you want a deduction, you should probably buy a gigantic house or something like that to get the tax deduction. You know, so the information they've already been given um, isn't necessarily true. But when you when you go outside that box that they live in, yeah. They're kind of rigid, they're kind of rigid folks, a lot of them, and they have an ego as well that is, I know best. And well, so, and that rigidness may be that ego. What I'm interpreting as the ego, right? Not necessarily they have an ego, but it's just like you just said. It's that's mm-hmm. what they've been taught. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing okay financially, right? So why would they try to do anything else? Mm-hmm. Which I love is an aspect of what your your book covers um, is that you're, you're not really trying to build more wealth. You're trying to buy time back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So which like, what is are a, we after here? What are yeah. we after here? Cause you can yeah. always work harder and work longer hours and get more procedures done or see more patients yep. but for what? Yeah. Because most, most physicians don't have a very good home life or work life balance or whatever you want to call it. Right? Uh, right. Home life is probably not the correct tag, but the, the work life balance, cause most of the guys that I was introduced or, or worked close, the closest to, they were cardiologist surgeons or, you know, orthopedic surgeons and stuff like that, where they're on call or that, you know, they're, if they're not in the surgery room, they're in clinic. And it's just like, how do you guys have time to say hello to your wife or go to kids baseball game or whatever? But, um, mm-hmm. so two questions here really is how did you break out of that mold? Is it because you just always had this fascination of real estate when you're younger and it kind of led into that or what kind of led to that for you to break the mold? Because even just talking to you here, I don't get that. It's probably an accurate label, but that ego coming across as, as most I get from most physicians, but um, how did you break that mold? And then, I forgot my other question. So answer that one and I'll come back to it. <laughs> well, I've always been pretty um, open-minded when it comes to earning and money. Um, I was, I, I was never an entrepreneur um, because I, I grew up in Canada and it was really, okay, you're a smart kid. You can be a doctor or a lawyer. Those were kind of my two choices and nobody around me was an entrepreneur, or had any business experience. So gotcha. for me, I was like, okay, I want to, I want to earn a lot of money. And I'm good at science and, you know, I like people and this will be, this will work out well. I'll become a doctor. Um, Law law seemed, you know, not my, not my cup of tea, but (laughs) so, um, but I always had it. Okay. In the back of my mind, okay, how can I earn more money? And when uh, I met and I moved down here from Canada for, for the weather mostly, but a side benefit is the taxes are improved. You know, there's universal healthcare up there and the taxes are 50%. um, Yeah. And when I started here, though, you know, I wasn't earning a lot and I was kind of shocked, too. I was like, wow, they're taking a lot of taxes. And so for me, uh, an immediate an immediate return on investment is reducing your taxes. 
because that's money you get to keep right off the bat that you already earned. You don't have right. to wait for a syndication to sell, you know, to, to get yeah. that in five years. You can get it, get it right now. So I've been with a tax team, a tax planning team for about, for about 12 years now, and they have helped me drastically. So yeah. I, you know, a corporation on the side and an S corp. And so that, you know, I'm, I'm definitely open to, the breaking the mold in terms of uh, taxes as well as investing in real estate. Very cool. Yeah. I still didn't think of my second question, but (laughs) 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 we'll we'll roll with it. Right. So I I will say this, I'll circle back to, to your comment about not asking your partners um, to invest with you or look at some deals with you. It makes me excited, maybe more, more or less relieved that uh, if you're not doing it, then I would have as, just as much trouble or more trouble doing it. So that's, uh, and you're shaking your head. Yes. So that yeah. makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's just that they, they don't, they don't put you in, they put you in a different box and even oh, as, definitely. The, yeah. Yeah. Even as the colleague. And um, I have a feeling that as I get a few more colleagues on board, the, the it will snowball and, and be like, yeah. Oh, well, she's doing something cool. And so are they, they don't want to be the first one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to find the Guinea pig, right? A herd mentality. It's like, Oh, if someone's doing this and it's actually legit, then yeah, um, I'll give it a try. Now, are you, are you investing to, obviously you're investing to get your time back, but are you investing to retire early as a lot of, a lot of, movements that we see now, right. especially with bigger pockets, right? I mean, that was never my plan. Um, but you're right. You get into groups of people who that's their main goal is to get out of their W-2. And I was actually just on a panel for Multifamily Investor Nation um, last month with Dan Hanford. And uh, the panel was called From W-2 to Full-Time Apartment Investor. And when they put me on that panel, I, I, I wrote them back. I'm like, I think this is the wrong panel for me because... <laughs> I'm still yeah. working and I'm going to be in my office when I'm on the panel. So I won't be able to hide it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> my office and the diplomas, you know, so, yeah, yeah. Um, they're like, no, no, that's okay. It's for everybody in different levels of transition. But um, that's what drew me to your group though, is the earn, invest, repeat. Because for one thing, I have a damn good source of capital. I mean, yeah. Yeah. if I was going to leave my job, I don't want to do the fire thing where I have to be frugal for the rest of my life. If anything, I'll do fat fire where you have tons of money and you don't even care. But I haven't um, heard of fat fire, but it's pretty, that's a pretty funny name. <laughs> I know. I'm more on board with that. Um, so for now, my job uh, is, is providing me with a great source of capital. And yeah. my goal is to keep investing it as much as I can and also um, compounding any in, um, distributions that I get from any kind of syndication you know, payouts to, um, to really get my net worth up to a point where I don't need to work anymore. Um, but I could, you know, yeah. and then I think that takes the pressure off of I'm here nine to five because it if so I'm not, does. I'm yeah. going to lose my house. I'm going to, you know, I won't be able to pay the bills. I won't be able to do this. I won't be able to do that. So I feel like the freedom that I'll get is going to be an, um, a mindset, I'll have mental freedom. And then I can decide what I really, truly want to do. Right now, yeah. I'm also the medical director of my group. So I, I have a lot, of admi- <laughs> a lot of administrative work. You know, and the other thing that I hear is I don't have the money, which I do think it takes money to invest, right? And there's several different ways you can go about trying not to do it. And there's several different resources out there that'll show you how to do that. The W2 capitalist is not one of them. I mean, it's not my story. It's not what I started with. I'm just not that much of a hustler. But the other thing is, is what you just said is you, you have this 
uh, money generating engine that allows you to have that capital to do it. But it, when you get to a point where you start replacing that income, at least some of it, it is such a mental shift. Uh, like I really enjoy going to work. Mm. I do. But, and I think part of that is because I don't have to be there. Like, well, there, I actually have to be there, but you know, I think, you know what I mean? It's not necessarily before where I'm like, okay, if, if something happens and how am I going to provide for my kids and my family and all that stuff? And it's just not there anymore. And it's such a relief uh, that that financial stress is now offloaded onto those investments that we have, those cash flowing assets that we have, which is, which is huge. Um, but yeah, our, our stories are very similar. It's, it's kind of, pretty eerie actually but anyway (laughs) i love it um so here we are this is uh february 2nd 2020 what's in store for you this year what are you what are you trying to focus on um i'm promoting my book right now i wrote uh wrote a book the busy professionals guide to passive real estate investing yep (laughs) it's basically uh just a primer on investing in, in syndications and for folks who don't know too much about it, kind of runs through the explains, but it, it also talks about the why and sort of what we're really truly after, um, which isn't just to, to, to gain millions of dollars, it's to buy back our time and also use our time to its greatest effect. So yeah. I, I learned too in this, because sometimes, like I said, when you're around the folks who are trying to just get out of their job, it's easy to almost jump on board and be like, yeah, I want to quit my job too. But then, um, I don't want to work full time as an apartment investor either. Right. Um, yeah. Because yeah. like I was trained in medicine and I went to school for like nine years for that. So I can make good money doing that. And it's what I'm good at and I'm natural at it. W- why would I give that, you know, source of income up for another source of income where I have to kind of learn a lot of new things and, um, and, you know, have to hustle and be doing um, stuff that's like, you know, I don't know how to like do the spreadsheets and stuff like that. That's not my thing. So it seems to me like I should continue to work earning a good income until I've got enough investments that I can um, back off or, or stop. Yeah. I apologize if you can hear those kids in the background. <laughs> you can't? Okay. It's, uh, so we have a, we have a five-year-old, a, a two-year-old and an eight-month-old. An eight-month-old, when she gets laughing, her, I mean, she just starts cracking up. She can't really turn it off. And I think they got her cracking up and, and cause other kids kind of dive into that and kind of feed off of it. So there's like, there's a big laugh fest going on right now. <laughs> so that's, I keep hitting mute. Uh, hopefully it doesn't pick it up. I accidentally hit me. I apologize if you can, but that's awesome. So, so let's talk about the book for a little bit. It's, it seems to be, I, I do have a copy of it, but as I told you earlier, I haven't read the whole thing from cover to cover, but it seems to be a pretty quick read. It seems to be touches the high points, right? Mm-hmm. And it's available on Amazon and everywhere, right? Amazon. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned something right before, which I was not expecting, but there, you're going to actually give away the first few chapters of the book, right? For anybody yeah, else. I have a sneak. I have a sneak peek of the book at uh, uh, on my landing page, uh, which is vmdinvesting.com/book, and there you can um, download the first uh, first few chapters. And if you like it, then you can pick it up on Amazon. I definitely recommend it. And again, it's it's a pretty quick read, but mm-hmm. it, I, I love the title. I'm kind of jealous because I've gotten to this. Actually, I don't know if you can see that. Uh, where's it at? Right there. Oh yeah. Uh huh. So that is that says write a book for 2020. So, um, 
kind of jealous of your title. I'm gonna have to pick your brain. <laughs> I'm happy to help. <laughs> but this is your, this is your second book that you've released, right? No, just the first. That's first. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, apologies for the mix-up there. That's a little weird for me. Um, but I highly recommend it. We'll I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Um, so let's talk about VMD investing for a minute. What is that? That that is basically where you are a co-sponsor. You're providing the deals. You're you're communicating with everybody. Do you have to be a physician to to invest with you? No, absolutely not. The I had a title of my book that was the Doctor's Guide to Passive Real Estate gotcha. Investing, and I realized, hey, that's not fair to exclude all the other busy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm happy to welcome anybody generally accredited investors you know generally accredited. Yep. the deals i i occasionally get one come across my desk that does have uh, a few spots for accredited, non-accredited or sophisticated investors um but it, those are you know kind of few and far between so yeah. yeah my target market is uh really accredited investors with w-2 jobs mostly i mean actually um there's plenty of self-employed folks out there who are you know very savvy business people and those are also folks that i uh, love to talk to as well um they're they're easy they understand quickly how this type of thing works and the accreditation piece it doesn't matter if you have a w-2 or self-employed the requirements are the same right it's just net worth and or um annual income that's how that's calculated, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Not in the net worth, not including your home of $1 million yep. and uh, 200K uh, income as a single person or 300K as a married couple. Um, most of the deals that I'm involved in are 506B, the reg- regulation D 506B, and they are, um, it's a checkbox. It's kind of an honor system that you just yeah. attest that you are accredited. Uh, we've done a couple 506C deals as well, and those ones require you to use a third party software. Um, to verify your income. You have to prove, or, you have to prove that the checkbox yeah. you're making is accurate, which... Or a, lo- a letter from your CPA, you know, that's okay for folks who are, you know, like docs and stuff. Um, but those folks who just have a lot of investments, you know, it's not as easy to, to prove that. So. It is not. You're right. It's, uh, yeah. I, I um, we were talking about this, that this morning in, our, in my mastermind where um, a guy, he's in his first year of hitting that accredited piece uh, him and his wife did uh very well uh last year and he was like how does it change things and i was like well for me it really it hasn't changed anything because the deals that i've looked at have been the 506b um mm-hmm. and i had, i just haven't done a 506c deal yet i've looked at one but i didn't like it so to speak mm-hmm. and i and i told him i said here's the thing and and i wanted to get your uh, input on this too but maybe this is because my circle is improving or the folks that I'm around, but there seems to be a lot of syndicators kind of everywhere now. Maybe this has always been the case and I'm just now tapping into this world, you know? Um, but what I'm seeing is the ones that I have relationships with their minimum participation level keeps going up and up. Right. Which Mm -hmm. is good for them because they don't have to have, they don't have to deal with so many different investors. Um, but I told him, I said, so it's, it's not an accreditation thing that worries or not necessarily worries me. That's going to keep you from doing a deal. It's when you're starting building those relationships, what is that minimum investment going to be? And, you know, can, are you starting to see that as well or or on these deals that you're working with or no? No, the operators that I work with generally have a 50 K um, minimum, but for repeat investors, it's 25. So, oh, okay. 
you know, so they'll go down to 25, which is nice, especially for folks who are just kind of dipping their toe in the water and testing it out. Of course, like I tell people, if you've got the money, put 50K into a deal because the $133 that you're going to get per month just doesn't seem like very much when you put in 25K. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't move the needle. You know, it's just like, ugh kind of like whatever, you know, but if you put in 50 or 75, a hundred, you start to see some real money coming in passively. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have a, I have an issue with the word passive, but I'm, uh, I'm getting to appreciate it. <laughs> I, to me, nothing's truly passive, right? It's yeah. more passive than saying managing your own single family homes. Right. Yeah. So, you know, investing in these larger apartment and we, we were able to do, uh, participating two this last year mm-hmm. that uh, I have, I told the guys this morning that were on the call, I was like, I found my new addiction and mm-hmm. it is being a limited partner <laughs> in an apartment syndication. It's a really good thing because I've done very little work uh, to receive those distributions. Yeah, it's not truly passive, but the pass, but the active nature is limited to um, reviewing the deal yeah. and doing your due diligence on the deal and then going over the bank and wiring your money. You really, yeah. And after that, you can choose to review the financial statements and you can choose to dig into it if you want to, but you're going to get a monthly update, a quick email that you can just kind of glance at. I'm like, okay, the world's not falling apart. Yeah. Awesome. Don't need to worry about that. Um, but I, um, the other benefit though of working when with like my pool of investors is that um, once you trust the person who's your connection to these deals, your level of due diligence can go down a little bit because yeah. you're, you're not being approached by the operator themselves. And in a way that um, arm's length is a good thing because I, I don't have as much uh, skin in the game. I mean, I, I usually invest my own money when I, when I have it, when I have capital, I'll invest it. I uh, mean that I'm aligned with the investors, but it's not my baby either. You know, yeah. I can, I can go to a different operator. So if I think it's a good deal, that's been another set of eyes that's not totally attached to the deal. Whereas directly with the operator, of course they want to, you know, get investors. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Vanessa, I want to make sure to give you the last, um, I say here, we're wrapping up on time. What mm-hmm. are the, anything else you want to leave us with and what is the best way for people to connect with you and, and find out more about the VMD investing in your book? Sure. Uh, easy to connect with me by email, Vanessa at vmdinvesting.com. And my website, vmdinvesting.com has a couple of sign up sheets. You know, I have a, um, an investor club or legacy club. I'm going to be rebranding it where I'd like to have folks um, that have been pre-screened just be part of the club. And then you can just look at the open deals basically. Yeah. Because yeah. at this point, um, I'm sure your, your audience knows, but regulation D506B um, means that you have to have a prior relationship and you can't just send out the deals via email. So if you're an, uh, someone who happens to be on a list and you keep getting actual um, investment summaries attached to the email, then it maybe it's a 506 C. Um, those ones can be publicly uh, advertised and just given to anybody. Yeah. And, yeah. And with those things, you know, if you're, and I'm sure you're in the same spot, you've talked to your legal team and gotten their advice on all that because those rules are gray for a reason, right? And they're open for interpretation and every, every lawyer is going to have a little bit different twist on what you can and can't do. Right. So, but I think you're, I think it's really cool that you're engaging that to mm-hmm. have a, a relationship with those folks. Uh, yeah. 
as yeah. well. So that's, that's pretty cool. Hey, one thing I, I wanted to ask you, and this is, I think this may have been my second question earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I've now remembered it. Um, is, are they changing the rules when it comes to accredited investors? Are they shifting that stuff? I heard some kind of noise about shifting. It's not as much about your net worth as it is something else. And do you, have I you, haven't you, heard that. Okay. No. no. All right. Well, it's, it's the government, so who knows? <laughs> exactly. That could be happen next month or in ten years. Who knows? It absolutely could. Uh, <laughs> Vanessa, yeah. thank you very much for for uh, joining me today and having this conversation. I really loved it. Um, I look forward to diving into your book some more, and uh, I will let you know when this comes out. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. And, by the way, I I wanted to make make sense or uh, make light of this. So not only you're a physician, which we talked about the perception of, of work life balance, you're a wife, you're a mom and you're a real estate investor. So if anybody's listening, they're thinking, Hey, I don't have time for this. Look in the mirror. You've got time. You just, you just need to put, put the remote down and go find some stuff to do. Right. It's, and it's uh, delegate is the magic word as well. I am learning that. Uh, that I need to learn that a little more, but yes. You're correct. Yeah. Yep. yeah Delegation yeah, is exactly. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.